the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together, and we have another great show. In just a few moments, we'll get an update from the border uh, from our friend Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. Extraordinary guy, uh, journalist down there covering the border. Uh, What's happening? The next 10 days uh, will be historic Uh, American history will have never seen the dramatic influx or the opening of the border that will lead to an influx of people. Just extraordinary. So uh, looking forward to talking to him. And amazingly, uh, we will talk with Dr. Ben Carson. Ben and Candy Carson have a new book out, and uh, we'll do an interview with Dr. Carson and hear what the book is and how uh, they are contributing. The book is called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Uh, So you'll want to stick around for all that. All right. First, what you need to know, what you need to know today is the feminists are about to make another monumental error and the error has to do with marketing. Now you say, well, Ed, wasn't the worst uh, error they had when they wore those pink hats on Trump's inauguration day? Well, maybe (laughs) it might have been the worst looking uh, uh, PR or marketing error, but they're about to make an error that has echoes in history 35 years ago. And I want to point to the echoes and and show you how important this moment is. And and I think there is momentum to be uh, carried through when you see the opportunity. Okay, so over the past few days, maybe the last week, you probably have seen protesters and you've thought to yourself the protesters in new york or in dc when the images of them come in close they're not particularly pleasant they're angry people they're strident people i let me be a little careful how i say it there they don't look happy and therefore you know happy people joyful people are attractive even if they're not necessarily good looking they're attractive you want to look at them these are people who are because they're angry because they're unhappy uh they're very coarse it's not a good look and they have a lot of times i went to lunch with a friend and he said what are they doing having a four-year-old girl hold up a sign my body my choice that's what he said to me i said i didn't see that image but The feminists are utilizing all the wrong imagery, all the wrong uh, uh, voices, if they want to persuade people to the importance of the policy position they have. And they're going to they're going to do this going forward. How do I know? Well, they just announced that they're going to have a conference in Houston in August, August 12th through 14th. There will be a women's convention. And it will be a place that you can see when you go there, you'll see it's going to be a place to highlight all the feminist issues. Now, the reason I said that this is echoes from the past is 35 years ago, and I believe it was November. It certainly was the last months of, uh, of 1977, a government funded international uh, year of the woman conference was funded 
and National Women's Conference, it was called Observance of the International Women's Year. That's the exact term. And it was funded in Houston, Texas. And it was meant to be the great sort of coronation of the ERA because you had Jimmy Carter and his wife. You had uh, uh, the uh, Fords, Mrs. Ford also. You had even Pat Nixon, Mrs. Nixon. You had, so you had three of the uh, most, two of the most recent first ladies and their husbands and also the current sitting first lady. And they all were going to, it's going to be a coronation. Bella Abzug, the congresswoman, got, I think it was $5 million dollars. And they brought all so tax dollars to have a conference in 1977, four days. Famously, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, put together a rival conference, which brought in tens of thousands of people and was a great success. And here's what happened to the feminists. The images were broadcast all across the country of one set of people, women who were angry, strident, bitter, hateful extreme to the far left on every issue. And then there was the images of these women at the, at the Phyllis Schlafly rally that uh, the fact they gathering that were joyful and happy and interesting and different ages and sizes and colors. And the contrast is widely attributed by historians to Phyllis Schlafly building the momentum to beat the ERA, which had been a, 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 a fait accompli. And so you watch this, and I think, I forget the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, Marjorie Spruill, that's it, the historian, I wrote that down, who has written, and she's no friend of uh, conservatives, she said, the contrast of the conference in Houston and Bella Abzug and the feminists and the far left and the nasty, unpleasant stuff, and Phyllis and her band of happy warriors was the contrast that gave uh, momentum to beating the ERA, which was historic. So now we're going to see the feminists gear up in August and they're going to have another rabid feminist gathering in, in, of all places, Houston, Texas, 35 years later. And they're going to go down and they're going to do what they did in the last 10 days. And the, and the country is listening and feeling for solidarity of the problems they're facing in their lives, which is how do they make the future brighter for their kids? How do they pay for milk and gas, which have gone up so fast? How do they handle inflation? What do they do when they can't afford to buy a house or, or, or get a, a loan on their house because interest rates have gone up? All these kinds of things. And they're going to go down and have signs that talk about four-year-olds' bodies and abortion at the end of uh, pregnancy and all these edgy transgenderism. They've glommed onto all this. And we're watching the same mistake in a, in a, mon in a, in a monumental way. And Biden and his team are, are deciding to ride this sort of fifth-wave feminism this 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 last wave feminism that is the the cancel culture with the me too movement plus the broken policies of the america lasters and it's all come together and the american people do not recognize it they do not recognize what is being presented as fundamentally kind of a part of our esprit de corps a part of our national ethic I'd, I'd be a little dangerous. I almost said they don't recognize these people as American, but they certainly are American citizens. They just they, they can see that these people are off balance and off base. And what's wild about this one is in 1977, they had this a big event in Houston in November of, of uh, November of 77. There was no election right then. In this case, the nation is going to see the showcase of this of these feminists in Houston in August. 
six to eight weeks before the election in the fall. And I have been one of the people early on saying this feels like a wave election for Republicans. This could be a big wave. This could be a big wave. It, it's, it's shaping up to be a big wave when the feminists and the Biden administration and others don't realize where the country is so significantly. They're, they're so off base. They're so off kilter on where the American people are that it's just stunning. But they're going to use big tech and big media to sort of hyperactivate this, this nth wave feminism in a way that will be, it will not be good for the country. It won't be good for uh, girls. It won't be good for anybody, but it will be horrendous politics. It'll be horrendous politics and it's happening. So what you need to know is uh, they're clueless and they're charging to kind of run off a cliff. And the only thing I'd say is watch closely. If they change direction and sort of let it die out, it's because they realized how bad this is. They realized how bad an optic it is, how bad it is for the country, how it doesn't fit where everyone is. You know, the combination of Me Too plus cancel culture plus, you know, uh, abortion on demand till the ninth month of pregnancy. It's not a winner. It's not a winner. It's a loser. And it's getting stuck on and pinned to not just the media and big tech, but to the Democrat Party. Clearly, it's not even just to the left. It's to the Democrat Party. Well, that's what you need to know. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot. We got a lot. We got Dr. Ben Carson, and then we will talk with Todd Benzman about the border. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, and it's my great privilege, I won't do too much dancing around, to introduce our next guest, Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, of course, has done a lot in his life, but coming this week, he's got another book out. It's called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Like most things he does in his life, this one is... uh, co-authored or probably she's probably the lead author if they all ever be honest is candy carson his great wife who is uh i have had the privilege of we had her as a guest at our phyllis schlafly eagles event and uh i think he spoke but i remember she stole the show so uh she's amazing too so welcome back dr carson how are you today i'm doing very well great to be with you thanks so and the the book it couldn't be better timing. Sometimes you start a book, I think, and 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 maybe maybe you spend your whole life to get somewhere. It's perfectly timed. And by the way, it's Center Street Publishers for our listeners. You can find the book anywhere books are available. So as you're writing this book in your life, your own life, your and your wife's life has been sort of this book. Uh, you know the the reality of race in America, the past you have to go through, where we are now. But the one w- phrase in the, in, the, in the title that captures me is confusing present. That feels about right. It couldn't be more confusing in this, in this time on race in America. How, how, do you, how do you see that and how do we get our way through that part of it? Well, I think uh, race is being used right now as a cudgel to sort of beat people into submission. And to uh, to make white people feel guilty, to make black people and minorities feel like victims, to drive wedges between us. Uh, it's one of the, the, the wedge issues. Uh, we're also using age and gender and income and religion, political affiliation, all those things to drive us apart. And, you know, our nation is much too strong 
to be brought down by China or Russia or Iran or, or North Korea, but we can easily be destroyed from within. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus said it first, Abraham Lincoln repeated it. And it's absolutely true. And you see what's happening uh, to our nation. Uh, some of the incidents that are occurring secondary to people uh, being alienated from each other. And even the fact that we're teaching our children, you know, to evaluate people based on external characteristics over which they have no control, uh, as opposed to the, the long time goal of equality that we had of treating everybody the same of recognizing that we're all in the same boat. And if part of the boat sinks, the rest of it goes down too. You know, those are the kinds of things that helped us to reach the pinnacle of the world. And uh, now as we abandon those things, uh, we're moving in a downward direction. And this book was written really to try to help open our eyes to what's going on. You know, when you look at the racial issue, uh, you know, a lot of people, particularly on the day, we have a systemically racist country. Um, everything is based on that. All the progress that we've made economically is based on exploitation of people. Uh, just all kinds of, of horrible things. When in fact, uh, just in my lifetime, there's been enormous racial progress in our country. Uh, I remember as a youngster, it was... Uh, a thrill whenever a black person came on television who was in a non-servile role. You called everybody in to watch. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that would be a ridiculous concept today. Today we have black generals and admirals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations and university presidents, including Ivy Leagues. We've elected a president of the United States twice who's black vice president. I mean, to say that we haven't made any progress is absurd. Uh, have we reached nirvana? Absolutely not. Are there more things to be done? Absolutely. But now we get to decide, do we want to build our future on our failures or on our successes? Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Ben Carson again, of course, you know, he's a best-selling author, a lot of his books. Uh, of course, he served as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, could probably write a couple of books on that and has been a candidate for president and was previously sort of got, I guess, famous or maybe he would say used his talent as God gave it to him as the uh, uh, director of uh, pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins uh, for many years. The new book, again, uh, to tell people uh, available everywhere you get books called Created Equal. Um so, uh, Dr. Carson, then to the second, or the third, excuse me, the third part of that, the hopeful future of race. It feels like when I watch Twitter, when I go on Twitter, when I watch the news flip from CNN.com to MSNBC.com and then even to FoxNews.com, uh, it doesn't feel it feels I feel anxious. I don't feel hopeful. So, so and that's, of course, just how I feel. But that's what big tech and big media and to some extent, big government want us to do is feel anxious and, uh, and not not get peace. How, how do you see the hopeful future of race in America? Uh, I think I think where the hope lies is in understanding what our past has been. You know, there's been a, a real attempt to distort our past and to, to change our history. You'll notice whenever ISIS goes 
Center and destroy the museums and the libraries, and, and they try to change the whole narrative. Right. Well, we have to realize that our history is what gives us our identity, and our identity is that thing upon which our beliefs are based. So if you distort that or you destroy that, then what do we believe? And if we don't know what we believe, who are we? And so what I want to do, what I hope to do, along with many others, is to help people understand what our real history is, not what the history is, not what is taught by critical race theory in the 1619 Project, but what is the real history of our country? Has it, have we had some mistakes? No question about it. We're inhabited by human beings, and human beings are imperfect, and therefore we're going to have an imperfect country. But to try to say that the United States is inherently evil because of slavery, you would have to say everybody else is inherently evil too, because uh, since, the, since the history of mankind has been written, we've had to deal with slavery. And there's actually more slavery in the world today than there has ever been. Look at human trafficking. And the biggest consumer of it right here, the United States of America. So we got some real issues to deal with right now. We don't have to dredge up something 200 years ago. But if there is something unique about the United States, it's that we had so many people who were vehemently opposed to slavery that we fought the Civil War and lost a large portion of our population to get rid of it. We're talking with Dr. Ben Carson. So, so Dr. Carson, uh, it, the reason to write the book, the reason that you've been so public, again, my wife and I were talking last night, and she said, you know, at this point, he and Candy, and my wife, I think, sat next to Candy at that event, and so she remembers this well. She said, but, you know, he could be he could be doing, they could be doing a lot of things. They could be playing a lot of rounds of golf, or they could be riding around in the Winnebago Sea in the national parks instead of having to get as much grief as you get. And But, you know, there's uh, my listeners know I often cite an essay from the late 70s from uh, Volokh Havel uh, called The Power of the Powerless, in which he describes the go- that the government didn't have to come up with a requirement that you put a sign in your window if you were a grocery store owner that said uh, workers of the world unite. Um, and it did. There was a sense that the, the culture you bounced along and started to comply. And he he basically talked about self-censorship. And I I have I have felt and seen uh, along with self-censorship that the culture, the cancel culture and other does another thing that is kind of, uh, uh, you know, the inertia of doing nothing. You know, you're upset at the TV, you yell at the TV, you might even curse at your Twitter feed. But ultimately, inaction is easier than action has always been. But in, in this world, you know, saying something or or doing something and having to deal with what your neighbor or your sister or brother might think is uh, is much. It seems much more uh, like what we do. And this this sort of epidemic of inaction is another problem. How, how do you. You know, in some ways, people look at you and think if he could do it, anyone could do it. On the other hand, they also think he's extraordinary. I, I'm not I'm not as I'm not like him. Uh, how do you inspire people to to not self-censor and to not stay inactive? Well, first of all, recognize that freedom is not free. Uh, you have to fight for it every single day. Mm. And it requires courage. Uh to do that. And it's much easier to stand in a corner with your head down and hope no one calls you a nasty name than to actually get involved. But we have to think about all of those people 
who got involved so that we could have the, the freedom and the peace that we enjoy today. And, uh, you know, I thought a couple of different times in my past that it was time to retire. <laughs> Certainly after the election in 2020, I said, finally, I can retire and enjoy life. <laughs> but, but looking at the direction of the country, shortly thereafter, I said, I'm not going to have any fun on the golf course watching my country deteriorate, worrying about what's going to happen with my children, my grandchildren, and with our whole nation. And uh, so myself and a, a number of people from HUD, outstanding individuals, got together and created a think tank slash do tank called the American Cornerstone Institute, focused on those cornerstone principles that made our country great. That would be our faith, liberty, community, and life. And we also created a program for kids called Little Patriots, mm. a free online program, littlepatriots.com, littlepatriotslearning.com, which gives the kids the real impression of who we are, what our documents mean, what our flag means. Uh, it also has the bad parts in it, too, but it puts it in perspective uh, so that you come away with a complete picture of who we are. And when you when you get that complete picture, it's pretty impressive. Mm. Uh, and I think God put us here for a reason. And I want people to understand that. And, uh, you know, let's get back to a point where we can actually focus on solving real problems rather than trying to denigrate each other. You know, we, the American people, are not each other's enemies, and we have to stop letting people manipulate us to think that we are. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it, and I'm sorry I didn't earlier. Um, the website, by the way, for the American Cornerstone Institute is uh, AmericanCornerstone.org. Uh, Dr. Carson on Twitter, at RealBenCarson, and uh, I'll put all this up on social media. But I, I agree with you. That, that's been uh, a very helpful that you went there to, or started that and started communicating. The book, again, is Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Ben Carson and his wife, Candy Carson, is uh, uh, co-author that and uh, available anywhere you buy books um, you know that, that everybody knows there's a million places uh, Center Street is the publisher for folks that are looking Dr. Carson I've taken a lot of your time thank you very much thanks for being out there like you are thanks for being um, how to say this a peaceful man a man that brings peace even to hard fights I think that's one of your your great gifts that uh, the spirit's done so we're grateful and thank you for the book thank you and thank you for being a patriot we appreciate it oh. All right, Dr. Ben Carson, everybody, I'll put all this up over on social media uh, and especially at ProAmericaReport.com so that you can uh, track it all and uh, we'll update it as uh, I see the book getting lots of attention. So uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, it's time to touch base with Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman, of course, is the Senior National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies. His book, America's Covert Border War, uh, out on Bombardier Books, I think it was. Uh, it's, it's right here on my desk. I'm looking at it. I've, it's all marked up and, uh, and uh, dog-eared. Uh, welcome back, Todd. How are you? 
Doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate well, it. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Thank you for taking the time. We're just a week or so, 10 days away from the uh, the deadline of the expiration of Title 42, uh, which everybody has agreed and conceded will be a major uh, moment and a lot happening. What what can you give us as an update on what's uh, what's the status and what's happening? Well, from all my sources and every other indication of reporting, uh, the mass migration that has been invited in by just the prospect of an end to Title 42 has already begun. You can see the video out there. There's uh, some good Fox News reporting uh, showing uh, just groups that are hundreds and hundreds of immigrants uh, thick just crossing the river all day long in broad daylight now uh, to be accepted by Border Patrol and immediately processed into the country. Everybody gets in. Nobody gets turned back. They don't really have the wherewithal in places like Eagle Pass or the RGV Rio Grande Valley to even do Title 42 expulsions anymore. So for all intents and purposes, it's over already. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, but there, but, but le- as a legal matter, uh, the, there are, there is litigation courts, right. uh, that have put a temporary hold, uh, on, on the lifting of title 42, not that it matters, but we are going to find out within the next couple of days, whether there'll be a more permanent injunction on the lifting or whether they're just going to let them lift it as planned on, on March 23rd. So we'll see, but you know, it, I don't think it matters because uh, what what the daylight hours of my, the migration means. The way you should look at that is, in the past, most of this has happened at night, not because they're trying to hide or run or anything. It's because it's cooler temperatures uh, in the middle of the night, and the fact that they're doing it in the heat of day. I mean, it's a hundred plus degrees out there. Tells me that the backlog is tremendous on the Mexican side and that this is the only way that the cartels can control the inventory, that they just simply have to let them go all during the day as well as all during the night now. Uh, we're talking with Todd Benzman uh, to find it, to read his stuff. Uh, CIS.org is the website. Go to his uh, staff page and also on Twitter at Benzman Todd, B-E-N-S-M-A-N Todd uh, with two Ds. So, um, okay. I mean, it's kind of what you've been telling us for months, Todd, but here we are now um, and you're saying it's sort of it's happening. Um, is the reaction uh, changing at all? I mean, for months we've been talking and saying, well, you know, Department of Homeland Security has announced a strategic plan uh, to basically make sure that they can handle all these people. They're planning on it, in other words. And um, there's been, as you say, lawsuits and there's been minor or whatever protestations by some Democrats even. Uh, but nothing has changed, right? That's right. Uh, it appears by every indication, you know, we just saw uh, Secretary Mayorkas testify at length before uh, the House Homeland Security Committee uh, to say that they plan to just simply let everybody in. I mean, the bottom line is uh, very few of, of the people coming over are going to be returned or for put into expedited removal. They're using, I'm going to say, illegally using 
Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and just say that. I believe it's illegal. I'm not a lawyer, but from everything mm-hmm. I've read, this use of parole authority, which is a very limited use uh, part of the INA, the Immigration and Naturalization Act, uh, that allows for one or two on a case-by-case basis to just be let in and paroled, you know, they're sick or they need hospitalization or some some kind of extraordinary circumstance like that for humanitarian uh, reasons. They're applying parole to everybody right. without regard to uh, specific humanitarian uh, needs or vulnerabilities. So that's just a misuse. There is litigation about that, but uh, they're not detaining people. They're they're reducing detention centers. They're shutting them down. Uh, they are not putting, there's very little evidence that they're prosecuting people or that they are putting them into expedited removal. Uh, I can't even see that they're doing these air deportations anymore. Uh, I think they're just letting everybody in. And that just means that the entire world is on the way. And I'm hearing from other sources that the Darien gap between Colombia and Panama is utterly packed to the gills. Now the whole world is on the way for this title 42 thing. You're going to see something that you have never seen in American history. Now it is, uh, and is, um, we're talking with, we're talking with Todd Benzman and, uh, Todd, I'm at CIS.org looking at the articles, your essays and coverage, um, is Todd, when you say you're going to see something you've never seen in America, Will we see it? If, in other words, it feels like Fox News is covering some more. I just did a quick search while we were waiting, while I was listening to you, or while I was getting ready for your interview of Fox News, or of Title 42 and, and coverage. It's only Fox News, but even Fox News, I don't know how much. Are we really going to see this? I mean, we're, they're, they're busy covering other stuff, meaning shootings and wars and all. And uh, do you have a sense it's going to be so dramatic it will break through? I do. I, I think this is something that that is on on an order uh, that even uh, you know reluctant media organizations, CBS and NBC and ABC and everybody else, will eventually have to come down and swallow their bile and cover this thing. It's just it's just going to be too 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 great to ignore. Hmm. Uh, so I mean I. I, I could be wrong about that, but I, I really don't know how you couldn't send the cameras down for this. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're talking about <clears throat> 18,000 a day, which is we're, we're at, you know, seven, 8,000 a day, maybe 9,000. Now uh, the numbers aren't, in. I mean, the numbers that are just, are just astounding. You could just see them pouring in all day and all night. So it's already on. And, uh, you know, if they're looking at, you know, the worst case scenario of 18,000, uh, you know, that's just something that's, I mean, I don't know how that's like the, the, the moon landing or, you know, right, right. Uh, uh, we're again, we're talking with Todd Benzman again, CIS.org is the website uh, for the center for immigration studies where Todd is the senior national security fellow. Um, Todd, before I, I don't want to uh, forget to ask you this question. And I'll come, I want to come back to the border to finish up, but a lot of coverage of fentanyl overdoses and deaths. Um, I, tell me again, tell our listeners how much of the drug traffic comes through the Southern border. A hundred percent of it comes through the southern border. <laughs> All of it. Uh, it's being made in uh, 
you know, super labs in Mexico. Uh, they, we know where they are. Uh, they are producing it and sending it through uh, not only the ports of entry, but also between the ports of entry. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much. It's, it's a high value, uh, small payload kind of drug. So that's coming through. I think the, the last overdose number that I saw was about 108,000 dead Americans from this. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be happening too. It's, it's, it's not just the financial impact, of course, of human uh, trafficking and smuggling over the border and where they're all going to go and how we're going to pay for it all. Uh, but it's also, you know, national security threats like terrorist crossing, uh, people who, who have, um, you know, uh, warlord uh, connections back in Africa or, you know, we're committing atrocities and drug smuggling like this traditional drug smuggling it's all going to be easier to uh, for the, all of those people and things to get in over the border for the next however long this lasts. I'm going to guess this will go on until uh, maybe 2024. Hmm. Uh, Todd, you Benz, may end up with. Uh, oh, sorry. No, please finish. Finish. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that by the end of 2024, at this rate, if everything stays the same and they can't uh, see the error of their ways, I mean, we could have a city the size of Los Angeles have having had entered the country through the border. Um, I know it's, 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 it's actually, um, it seems fictional. I mean, it doesn't seem, it's a moon landing. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems, seems, well, and it seems like since they staged the moon landing, since that never happened, it feels like (laughs) that. Uh, uh, We're talking with Todd Benzman. Todd, last question. We'll talk with you next week, I bet, but it's about a week or so from the uh, May date when sort of dramatically the whole world knew, you know, uh, Katie unbar the doors and we're coming. When you say you think it will both be a crisis like we've never seen, a situation like we've never seen, and it will catch attention, are, are we going to see, um, uh, will it be, I hate to say this, but will it be well run? Meaning, or will there be people drowning or, or starving or more likely dehydrated? I mean, what, what will the chaos look like? Well, you can't ever have that many people crossing and you know messing around with water and cartels without people dying. So you're going to have some percentage of people that don't survive it. Mm-hmm. The administration's main concern, their main planning strategy, the central part of their strategy is to make sure that nothing like the Del Rio migrant camp forms. So they are putting personnel and people in place so that you, you, the, they can move them into the country and off those riverbanks as fast as possible in an order, as they put it, in an orderly and humane way mm. uh, is how they're looking at this. So they're, they're going to try to make sure that we don't have Del Rio migrant camps forming up on, those, on the other side. I think we, we will see some anyway for you know, a period of a few days before they can move them all into the country. But um, I think it's a political optics that they are desperate to avoid uh, much more than that, hey, it's bad to have all these people coming, <laughs> millions and millions of people just cruising past the, into the country. They're fine with that. 
Amazing. Uh, amazing. Todd Benzman, again, CIS.org is the Center for Immigration Studies, and you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Benzman Todd. Also, ToddBenzman.com, you'll see his other works, his book, which is in front of me, America's Covert Border War, uh, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. Uh, the must-read, must must-see guy on this issue in these crazy times. Thanks, Todd. We'll have you on again soon, and uh, stay safe. Okay, thank you. All right, everyone, we'll take a break. And if you go over to uh, ProAmericaReport.com, I'll try to maybe I'll have the guys uh, uh, collate them, put them together. I probably have about 10 interviews with Todd over the last eight months or so on all these issues. You can get yourself educated quickly on exactly what it all means and uh, what's happening. Uh, But it's a big deal, as you heard. So uh, ProAmericaReport.com to see that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. We hear a lot about the great conservative bills that are being passed all the time in a few select states like Florida and Texas. But do you ever wonder why other states don't pass such great conservative bills? This might come as a shock to you, but Republicans completely control the governments of 23 states. That includes both houses of the state legislatures in addition to the state's executive branches. The key to passing good bills is not control by a party, but control by conservatives. When it comes to politics, the biggest difference between Michigan and its neighboring Ohio is not demographics, which are very similar, but the liberal Republicans who are office holders in Michigan. Only 10 Republicans in the entire country voted for the second impeachment of Donald Trump but two of the ten were from Michigan. Both came from massive family fortunes which they inherited. Rhino Fred Upton is an heir to the Whirlpool washing machine fortune, while his fellow pro-impeachment Republican Peter Meyer benefits from his ancestors' supermarket chain wealth. Trump backs challengers in the primary to both, which will be held on August 2nd. Michigan demands better, declared the 14th Congressional District Republican Executive Committee about both incumbents. Upton and Meyer were two of only nine Republicans who voted to hold conservative Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. Rhinos also voted to establish the Pelosi-controlled House Select Committee, a group of Trump haters that voted to improperly recommend criminal contempt charges against top law-abiding aides of Donald Trump. The liberal infiltration of Republican leadership in Michigan has frustrated progress there. It's overdue for Republican voters to oust the rhinos in their primaries, as nearby Ohio and West Virginia have largely done. Advancing this goal, Donald Trump has endorsed 10 state legislative candidates in Michigan, the most of any state, in addition to endorsing five congressional races and two candidates for high office there. Don't make the mistake of thinking that electing one party to office is going to mean good things for your state. Primaries are important. Make sure your state has real conservatives on the ballot in November. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, got to finish up pretty quick, but let me finish with this. Uh Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. Um, I, I tell you all the time, if you want to stay on top of the left, you go to politico.com, cnn.com, and see what they're saying, what they're spinning, and what's happening. There's a piece over at politico.com that says this. Well, John Durham and his investigation, they've already won. They don't have to win. They're not going to win any cases. They're not going to win any of the, of the of the charges that they brought against these bad acting Hillary lawyers or anything. They're not going to win them, but they've already won by bringing up the issue. Uh-oh. Because when Politico says the way they've won is keeping the issue alive, it means they're about to lose. And I've always feared that the the real way lawfare works in this country right now is you create a legal problem for somebody and you either outlast them because they're too tired or they go broke or they can't handle it, or by the time it gets resolved, everyone has already made the impression, made a a lasting impression of what the truth is. And the best example, of course, is General Flynn. They put they put General Flynn through the ringer. Half the country thinks General Flynn did something wrong. By the time they basically said, yeah, there was nothing there. Where do you go to get back your reputation? The Russia hoax was the same thing. And my fear with Durham, in other words, they they play out the string. If you can delay it long enough, well, then you can't also can't be effective. So the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax got everything they wanted. And trying to unravel it and get to the bottom of it, just play it out longer, longer, longer. And people quit. Their energy level goes down. So I, there is a Durham trial. John Durham's got trial and indicting one of the bad guys, uh, one of the lawyers who seems to act badly in the Clinton-Russia hoax. But I don't have a lot of confidence it's going to turn out well. That's just how I feel today based on what I'm seeing and reading in the tea leaves. So, all right, everybody, thank you, as always, to the great uh, producer, uh, Noah Dingley, associate producer, Joanna, uh, Joanna Spilger. Uh, great to have such good guests like uh, Ben Carson and Todd Bensman today. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.